Church, this is uh, this is my good friend Mikey Powers. Can we give it up for Mikey real quick? <laughs> oh, all right. So savor that applause because you may not get it at the end. Um, <laughs> Will do. As you can, I've known Mikey for about three years now. We were on staff together at High Desert Church. Mm -hmm. uh, Mikey uh, is a guy who cares incredibly deeply for people. Um, you'd be hard pressed to find somebody who. Uh, who had a heart, who cared more deeply for people. He's responsible for, uh, for small groups, for some of the small groups uh, yeah. at High Desert Church, mm -hmm. uh, and has been in that capacity for three years. We met when we were on, uh, on staff with one another. So all that to be said, uh, I'm not going to tell you any more about him. He's got, uh, he knows what, what he's going to share and what the Lord has put on his heart. So, hey, it's all you, buddy. Thanks hey, for thank you. Here. Can we give it up for Pastor Peter? Awesome. Well, like Peter said, we served at High Desert Church together, and uh, I got to tell you, the, the first uh, interaction I had with Peter, it was incredibly intimidating. Um, we were, uh, every, once a year, our HDC staff goes to um, a board staff retreat, uh, and that's where all the ministry staff members uh, and their wives get to, you know, get some insight, direct pouring into from our senior leaders, and um, the theme of the retreat was uh, summer camp. So, uh, HTC, we love to, we get jacked up over summer camp and we send hundreds of kids to camp to go meet Jesus on a mountain and then come back on fire for the world. So, um, we were doing one, uh, one, one, all in one day, just summer camp. Uh, and part of that day was the belly flop contest and, uh, pastor Peter, uh, by a landslide just took that event. Um, he looks at me and says, I'm going to frog splash. And I had no idea what that meant. Well, uh, if you guys know Pastor Peter, he, or, or a little bit about his story, he uh, was an all-around athlete throughout high school and whatnot, and he played water polo, so he was familiar with the water. So I grew up in the desert where there is no water, and I was like, frog splash, that sounds innovative. Uh, and he just, he leapt up, and he just, he slung his body into the water, and he landed so flat that when he came out, his entire body was red. Um, needless to say, he won that, and that was, that's, that's the first time I got to meet Peter, so that was a lot of fun. Um, just to let you guys know a little bit about our background, we, uh, we go back, I love his heart, I love his heart to be a good husband, to be a good father, uh, and I'm definitely honored to be with you guys this morning, F.B. Hamford. How you guys doing? Well? So good. Again, my, it's my pleasure to be here, and on behalf of my wife and our three beautiful boys, um, it's our pleasure that we're here and that we can come uh, and just kind of share good news uh, of, of the work that Christ is doing, not only through our family and through the families of the church, the Big C Church, um, but from myself personally. 
uh, one of the things that my wife and I have recently done, and I say recently within the last couple of years, is that we've been certified to foster to adopt. Um, and this was something that we were super prayerful about, and it was always on my wife's heart to, uh, to want to care for the widows and orphans. And uh, we didn't know how or what, but we were prayerful about it. But we had some friends pouring into us at that time, and we, had a, we actually have a, a, a family, uh, they're friends of ours, that they were, they were faced with a foster-to-adopt situation, and they, they got a match and that just means that, you know, social workers look over your home and they, you know, they study you guys and they say, you know what, this child from this home can actually be placed in this home and it would be a good match. So it's like a system that they do. Well, they were matched with a, a little girl. And uh, even, even in them being matched, they, you know, before the actual sign date to adopt, they were like, hey, there's, there's a small hiccup. Um, her name was Olivia. So they're like, oh, little Olivia, she, she knows that she's ready to be adopted. However... She has three siblings. And this family of, like, they already had three of their own children, had to take a step back. And they were like, whoa, four more kids on top of our three, right? Oh, well, and I mean, you as parents, we as parents in this room know that anything after two is just a blur. And you manage. You manage until, uh, until they're old enough to take care of themselves. Uh, I had a friend in passing say, well, I mean, what's another pound to an elephant? And I was like... That's not another pound. That's an entire other elephant that's bigger than their current elephant, right? <laughs> Love that phrase. Try to use it as often as possible. Um, uh, but their hearts were to, to serve these kids and raise them up and, and to do these things. But uh, little did my wife and I know that in our desire to want to care for the widows and orphans, uh, we didn't know what was in store for us. Um, I, I had some photos, but uh, they, they, weren't, they weren't able to be uploaded, but I'll, I'll just give you a synopsis of our story. My wife and I, again, going on eight years of marriage, um, we, we share in twins and, uh, and a singleton. Our twins are going to be five next week, and uh, our singleton is two. His name is Lennox, so we have Calvin, Jude, and Lennox. And um, about six months ago, we were placed with two beautiful girls. Uh, the older one, her, her name was Dakota, she was five, and Rita was three. So our house looked like two, three, four, four, five, right? Uh, five car seats was, is just not of God. You know, that's not something that he wishes upon the righteous. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, right, yeah, no, not a good joke. Um, uh, it was just a lot. It was a lot to handle. It was a culture shock for us, and we, we just, we got after it when it started happening, and uh, my wife, oh, the girls had to go in through the trunk. You know what I mean? Like we have a Honda Pilot. It's kind of smaller, uh, but we just managed that whole time. And we, we didn't know what it looked like. We didn't know what it looked like from the situation they were coming from. As informative as, as folks try to be and as, uh, as much information as you want or you would request, uh, the most common answer was, I don't know. So we would ask their social worker, hey, um, do the girls know how to brush their teeth? It's, I don't know. Uh, did, they, they showed up on our doorstep with a grocery bag each of clothes that were dirty and they didn't fit them. So they were too big for the three-year-old, too small for the five-year-old. Um, but the only thing is that those girls knew that that stuff was theirs. So they, they clung to it. One of the things that we got to know that through their story was no matter how many like broken homes they had been through and and we actually did the math that the younger one, Rita, she had never been in a home for longer than 10 months at a time, like just her entire life. Um, and, and her older sister, Dakota, again, having two years on her, 
she, uh, she had never been in a home longer than 13 months. And one of the things that broke our hearts were the fact that these girls were so beautiful. And, and they had such great smiles and hearts. They got along immediately with our boys, which uh, at times, sometimes as parents were, were protective of our kids, although we should submit them to the Lord, those kinds of things. We were protective. We were, we were guarded. Uh, and once they came in, we just melted. They, they, they brought such joy to our lives. And uh, they got along with the boys really well. Uh, we carried on for a few months, and the first few months we were just fighting the system back and forth, wanting to know more information and wanting to get medical information to get their exams done or whatever they have to do for the state of California. And um, around month four and five is when we started to dig in, and we just got, you know, overwhelmed with joy and love for these girls. It was hard. It wasn't easy. Uh, but we know that we were doing the work of the Lord in order to do this, and it was something that these girls have never experienced. Um, and, you know, just even certain events pop out in my mind. I got to, I got to attend the, graduate, the kindergarten graduation for Dakota, and um, for someone that only had one person show up for graduation, I made a lot of noise for her. And, uh, and she just felt that joy. You know, she got to smile and be proud in that moment, and it was a good time. Uh, but these girls, uh, only being introduced to this survival-like lifestyle, like what home am I going to be in, these kinds of things, it, it definitely broke our hearts for it. So this morning, as we go through broken families, uh, as we talk about the role of the church within the broken families, um, I know that the nuance for myself uh, is, is through the foster-to-adopt system. However, um, broken families are represented in this room. We know that. And broken families don't always look like divorces or step families, or they can be dysfunctioning married, like intact families. Um, so as we, as we dive into the word this morning, uh, and as we seek to assume this role as the church in the lives of the people in our worlds, I want to encourage F.B. Hamford this morning to evaluate your hearts. As we, as we did through communion this morning, evaluate your heart and your role uh, in the lives of the people in which you live. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning, God. Uh, we thank you for this opportunity to, to come to the table. Lord, I pray that uh, you just speak to the hearts of the people in this room, that through your word we would own and take responsibility of our sonship in you and our adoption to your family. And God, that F.B. Hanford be uh, a people known for bringing your name glory through fulfilling uh, the law to love one another uh, and to love you above all, God. So... I pray that you speak clearly through me and allow me to get out of the way of the word that you will say to these folks. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, I want to, uh, again, entertain this question of what is the role of the Big C Church within broken families? Uh, well, I want us to all consider first three points before we actually dig into what practical application looks like and what it looks like for us to live this out. Uh, the first point is the fact that we live in a broken world. And that this world has nothing to offer, only brokenness. And th this, this goes from to the, all the way back to the beginning, y'all. This, this starts in Genesis. Uh, it starts in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6. Uh, and this is simply entitled, The Fall of Man. When God created this, when God created all of this, and in that garden, we as man chose 
our own desires over God's will for our lives. This is, this is what makes our world broken. So uh, just to let you guys know a little bit about myself, I'm an interactive person. I, I loved hearing Pastor Peter in the crowd uh, lead you guys well and, and knowing that he's such a kickback and casual guy, he'll just give it to you straight. Um, but I am an interactive speaker, so uh, I want you folks to, to plug in with me. Is this okay? Yeah. All right, all right. So I'm going to say broken world, and you're going to say broken families. So broken world, but we have hope. That's how I'll end this every time. Okay? So... Knowing that since the fall of man, we live in a broken world and we have hope. Knowing this, we have a responsibility as Christians to be vigilant with our lives and the decisions we make to reach our world. We have to know that every time we have a conversation or we have a relationship with a distant friend, stepbrother, stepsister, we have to know that we're given supernatural influence into their lives so we got to know that the world we live in is uh is not intact ever since ever since the beginning so we have to wake up with a vigor knowing that we have to reach our world but the second recognition is the fact that we live amongst broken systems you know uh there there was this one time i, I had a job when i was a kid and I just had so much faith in this company. I was like, oh, man, I, I was younger. I, I was in sales. I love talking to people. Uh, Pastor Peter had to pull me out of the lobby because I was talking to folks. He's like, hey, guys, it's time to start church. Um, so I, I love talking with people, and I had so much faith in this company that one day uh, I made a decision that basically put me on a radar for some reason. What, what it was was a woman came to cancel, uh, like, a membership. Like, I sold memberships to a fitness club, and... When she came to cancel, it's be, it was due to finances. And I was like, but you changed your life. Like, we should be able to do something. Well, she canceled her membership because she moved in with her daughter. And then from that, uh, I said, well, if you live with your daughter, your daughter has a membership here. We can sign you up under her. One of the things that, that my boss didn't like at that time was how fast I was rising to what success looked like in the sales world. He was like, look... You can't just say yes to everybody. I'm a yes man. Um, you can't just say yes to everybody. You have to know what's going on. And I said, well, we went from no membership to a membership. Like, I just don't understand the difficulty. However, I was a teenager, so don't judge me too harshly. Um, he was like, no, this doesn't look well. Um, and without an explanation or what I would say a second chance, I was fired. It was like the only time I was fired from a job. But I thought to myself, oh, my word. Uh, because of my success and what it looked like, and it, it didn't just reflect uh, good on my boss, it almost reflected that he was a little lazier, and I wanted to take initiative, and I hit the ground running. Um, I just realized, wow, like, regardless of how much we're impacting lives and changing people's uh, just, like, lifestyles, we live in a broken system. Because you, you can't just want to be successful anymore to, to want to do these things. And again, I was, in my, I was in my teenage years and I thought to myself, wow, okay, um, I've never been railroaded like that before. And I thought to myself, okay, I need to, I need to step back and be a little more keen to, to what things look like. But this whole time, I was trying to raise my awareness of the world in which I lived. That man didn't believe in Christ. Um, and, and he wasn't, he wasn't a, a churchgoer. He didn't have a community of, of people wrapped around him praying for him all the time. He, he was a successful guy himself. However, uh, when challenged with success, he, he just decided to shut it down. But that's the perspective of the world, amen? 
that that whatever system we were we live in and work in, uh, it it will never come to fruition, and it will never be uh, as fulfilling as as life would be in the family uh, and and serving one another rather than uh, competing with one another on such a level. You know, I was introduced to this broken system, this. Uh, you know, the, a little kind of more zoomed-in, broken world uh, at my early teenage years. Um, uh, so I come from a family of immigrants. My mother's from the Philippines. My, my father's technically from Chicago via Ireland. And uh, they, they immigrated here. And my brothers, uh, they immigrated to the West Coast, so through San Francisco. And, and my brothers were early adopted by just, just by the gang life. It was just something that, uh, that took a hold of my brothers and... Um, you name it, drugs, guns, uh, just a bad lifestyle. It, w- it wasn't good. And, uh, and one of the things that we had always experienced, especially at our little part in the desert, um, was the fact that uh, we were Filipino in a predominantly white neighborhood. And one of the things that, again, uh, knowing that I was introduced to this broken system so early on, um, when I was a teenager, I used to make bad decisions because I wasn't serving the Lord. And as I would make these bad decisions, I would sit in it in my pride and I would say, you know what? Uh, I'm the toughest and hardest kid at this high school and I need to prove myself. Well, the truth is, again, serving myself, it only lasted that long. Uh, and even like the administrators of the school, the people that made the decisions, uh, they would pull me into their offices after incidences and they would say, you know what, Mikey, you're just not fitting in here. And... Um, you know, one administrator actually took it upon himself and said, uh, and just assumed that I was of Hispanic and Latino descent. And he said, uh, you know, I don't know how things are done where you come from. And he said, uh, I don't know if, if you, you know, have to, I don't know. I don't want to say specifically, but he said, I don't know if you have to act that way uh, in this school. You don't have to, and you know, he made some slang references and he said, uh, you don't have to call up your homies or your essays to come to this school. And I was sitting there kind of clueless because I was like, what are those? I was like, I'm Filipino, you know? Uh, And that's just, you know, it was one of those things where even, again, an administrator, a person of power and influence over me um, revealed to me how broken of a system we live in. Maybe it was my expectation for him to be completely impartial and, and perfect. However, he was not, and that's okay. Because that's the world we live in. But again, growing up, my awareness was raised on how broken of a system in which we live. The third point uh, that I want to just kind of raise our recognition of is broken families. Broken families. Uh, what I'm, I'm going to say broken world. But we have hope. Broken families have hope. And each, each one of these, we uh, could dive deeper in, in, in. We can go back to Genesis 3 really quick when it says the fall of man. Uh, oh, actually, I'm so sorry. We're going to go to 1 Kings 4.21. That's where we're going to go. In, in the Bible, we're, we're, given, uh, we're given evidences of successful kingdoms or what things look like. You guys remember King Solomon? The man that asked for wisdom. He was having a conversation with God, and the man asked for wisdom. I don't know what I would ask for in that moment. However, Solomon asked to be wise, and God blessed that. God said, yes, I'll, I'll make you wise, and, and I, will, I will extend your kingdom. In 1 Kings 4.21, it reads, this, And Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the Euphrates River to the land of the Philistines as far as the border of Egypt. 
These countries brought tribute and were Solomon's subjects all his life. So this is evidence of, of what it looks like to have like a pretty functioning kingdom. There's borders, there's, there's blessing. You know, his heart was to specifically bring glory to God. However, he had such a downfall as a person and as that person of influence and power over folks, he was an idolater and he sought uh, extravagance over obedience. And he also, uh, one of his greatest downfalls, as we all know, and if, is, as if we've read the word, we, we know that his downfall was through his, his relationships and his desire for lust. Back then, as, a, as a, just a person in the community, you would probably think, man, this runs well. However, the guy who's running it's pretty messed up. But we as Christians, carrying the gospel out, we have to know that we live in a broken system. So we ought to know how to act with our responsibility of the gospel within these systems. We have to expect brokenness from our oikos, from our friends, our family, our relational world. We have to expect these things in order to best serve them. We're going to go back down to broken families. Uh, and this is simple, folks, because it comes straight from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. One of the greatest things that I cling to in hopes, in, in, in like the desperate times, in knowing that, man, we live in such a broken world. I heard some of you guys say it. We have hope. To be completely transparent with you guys this morning, uh, I, I started today with, with telling you uh, this beautiful story about these beautiful girls who came to our family, and uh, this is where we currently lie. About a month ago, the girls, uh, they were pulled back home to, to be with their, their biological mother. It stung. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was really hard to, to cling to faith, to cling to that hope in that moment, because we had made such a great connection with these girls but we live in a broken world and we know that they have hope so that the times that the girls were with us we we introduced what prayer meant we pray every night our our, our usual used to be uh like wrestle go to bed uh now it was like wrestle or dance party and then go to bed because uh, the girls were like, we want to dance. And the boys were like, okay. Um, but we introduced them to what, you know, just a consistent life looked like. But we gave God the glory for everything. And we knew that for however long they were going to be with us, although we were hoping for life, uh, that we would imprint and express to them how important Jesus is and should be to them. So today, uh, we technically don't know where they are. We just know that they're not with us. However... We know that for the time that they were with us, we introduced them to Christ, to that idea of, of a, who a Savior can be to them. And we told them that wherever they are, before you go to sleep, you pray. And this is how you pray. And this is why you pray. And prayer is so powerful. Uh, Dakota, the older one, she was five. She would, um, she'd love to play in the car, um, even when we weren't driving. Uh, so she would hop in the front seat and she would steer the, the, you know, the steering wheel and she would honk the horn and 
She said, I love driving, you know? And, and I was like, well, why is it that every time you get in the car, you want to get in the driver's seat? And she's like, I don't know. I just like it. And I was like, well, get back in your car seat. And she was like, well, I've never been in a car seat before. And I was like, oh, well, you're five. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but I was able to draw a parallel to her seeking out that steering wheel all the time. She always sought it out. I said, you know, Dakota, in life, when, when you're sad or upset or frustrated, you know, I want you to think of, of prayer as your steering wheel. It's the first thing you go to. It's the first thing you seek out anytime that you're feeling sad, anytime that you're, even when you're happy though, it should be, it should be something that you do instinctively. And she said, why? And I said, because too often we use it as a spare tire, right? Oh, emergency. I'm pulled over on the side of the road. What am I going to do? Well, there's nothing left to do but pray. No, that should not be it. It should be in times of rejoicing. What do we do? Pray. In times of triumph, in times of overcoming, we pray. And I know I'm not alone when I say in times of emergencies, we pray. Amen. So, what does it look like for the church to take a role within the broken families of, of our lives? You're sitting here right now. You're thinking of one. And if you're not, you're, you're probably that broken family. <laughs> I'm just kidding. We're all broken to an extent, amen? amen. But we have hope. So, the role of the Big C Church in the, in the lives of broken families, in the worlds that you're thinking about right now. I'm going to give you three simple steps that most of us probably already know. However, maybe I'm here to remind you. Maybe I'm here to, 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 to let you know that this is still what's happening. Because one, we've experienced doing it and receiving it, even as a foster to adopt family. These are the things that we ought to do. So the first villain is uh, we, as a big C church, ought to respond. We should respond to the families that are either reaching out or that we reach out to. What does that look like in your life? This is, this is that part where we take a shift of, of learning uh, or, or rehashing back on, on why this world is broken and that we should expect it. This is, is where we get it into gear. All right, so we respond to these families. When we're being reached out to or we reach out, uh, we need to meet the people just where they are, just as Jesus met us. Amen? Psalm, uh, no, it's 2 Corinthians 5.20. It says, For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God did not have to send Jesus, but he did. We don't have to give an extra ride prepare a meal, serve this morning. I saw so many people here this morning serving at eight o'clock when church doesn't start until 10. You know what I mean? We don't have to do these things. However, we do these things to meet the folks where they're at. In your mind, knowing the relationships that you have and the influence that has been given to you, how can you individually right now think in your minds, how can you respond better next time. The purpose of this isn't, isn't to make you think of the last time you didn't respond because that's not productive. However, moving forward, how can we better respond to the next opportunity God gives us? The second fill in the blank is we as the big C church are called to be a refuge. 
Just as Christ is a refuge to us, we are called to be that refuge for those folks because we know the love of Christ. We know the saving magnitude that he can actually provide for us. We know these things. We ought to introduce it to the folks that need it. We are called to be a refuge. We're going to go to Psalm 46. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, through the mountains be moved into into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble and it's swelling. How many times have you needed God and he's just come through, but come through in over in abundance? Think of that one time. Think of the second time. Think of the last time. Remember how, how more fulfilling that has ever been than any one of our vain and selfish desires. It just gave us a lasting joy that, that actually raised our awareness and, and, and raised our passion for Christ. I stand before F.B. Hanford this morning knowing that this has happened here. Pastor Peter has sent word that you guys are a people who love God. Amen. And that you, you guys are a people that want to just reach out into your community and be able to offer this refuge to those folks that know no refuge. So I'm confident in standing before you this morning saying that the role of the Big C Church is to be a refuge for those who are a part of a broken world that have hope. The last fill in the blank, uh, we are called to be a resource to them. I had one conversation with uh, the girl's biological mother. It was a very hard conversation uh, in which she wasn't even uh, of sound mind. Uh, she came for a visit, um, and she forgot who I was, so she just started asking me for money. Oh, I'm here for the visit because I brought your daughters. Sometimes we live in a world that is so broken, we have to know that these folks sometimes don't know how to seek out resources. Things that would seem logical to us as folks, as people, if we need help, what do we do? Ask for it. Sometimes people just don't know that. And the things we have to expect that stepping into a broken world, people wouldn't know that. Because what's one reason why we wouldn't ask for help? Our pride. Amen. Yes. Well, here's the thing. If, if, you, if we live in a broken world that promotes pride over humility then we would be fooling ourselves to think that. Why didn't she just ask? No, that's not going to happen. What is going to happen is that when we as a church stand for a world that doesn't know how, and we offer ourselves as a resource, that F.B. Hanford reach out into the community and say, this is what we offer. You walk into the lobby and you see serve posters, and, and you, you, know, you walk down certain hallways and you see what missions trips look like. F.B. Hanford is active in what that looks like. But also, what, is it, what does it look like for you as an individual? We as a church can come together, and we can rally, and we can be encouraged. However, you individually, what does it look like? Does it look like equipping yourselves with what local resources look like? Do you guys know how active you can be in your local Salvation Army or your local uh, King's Kitchen? Or your local men's, uh, uh, I think it was like a men's... Uh, home or, you know, that, that kind of resource. There's resources inside Hanford uh, that actually do it. However, those are, those are, those are known entities. Uh, what are you this morning? Are you a known entity to that person that has a relationship with you? 
Or would they just skip you over and say, like, I'm not going to ask them. How available are you making yourselves? And by your reputation, this is no, no mistake, and, and I'm not caught off guard with knowing that F.B. Hanford uh, are a generous people to know that they serve a God, they, they come together as a community, uh, and that you guys can live in the worlds that you live in and reach those people. There's people in your lives that Pastor Peter will never reach. Did you know that? I mean, he's a great speaker. He's a good guy. But you have people in your world that he'll never talk to. But you talk to them all the time. They come to you for something. You go to them for something. The role of the Big C Church in the lives of broken families is to remain a resource as well. And I'm not just talking stuff. I'm talking you. You and your person. You guys are given influence uh, in relationship to these folks in your world. So if I'm here this morning to tell you that, yes, you can be a resource... You might be sitting there like, oh, well, I know some people. Maybe I can just introduce them to them. No, you are that person. Because the reason for the hope that we have is because you're sitting here recognizing and realizing, wow, when I accepted Christ, I didn't know this is the role I would play. I know that I'm saved. I know that my family's saved. I might be a little comfortable. But what does it look like for you to step outside of that comfort and assume a role, an active role in his kingdom and say, I'm supposed to be a resource for broken families? I think that shifts our our perspective just a little bit more. I think what that does is that grows us deeper in our faith. And I think that what it can mean is that F.B. Hanford would be a people known in their community uh, and known uh, for loving God most. And carrying out this commission to seek and save the lost I think that that's what that can mean. So as we respond to those, as we seek to be a refuge for those, and as we seek to be a personal resource for those, I want to encourage you guys this morning, uh, just as we did in communion, to evaluate your relationships right now. Under no other circumstances would you be in the lives of the people in your world if God did not want you to reach them. And you might be thinking, man, like everyone in my life are all Christians. Well, what does it look like for you to better help them reach their worlds? Because you are one family, you are one person, you are one couple in the lives of those people. What does it look like for you guys to start up community? One of the things I get jacked up most about is small groups. Because F.B. Hanford is in this room, amen? F.B. Hanford is not this building. When you guys go out into your community, F.B. Hanford can look close to Selma or close to Visalia. I'm just trying to name surrounding cities now. Um, you guys can be close to those places, but that's F.B. Hanford. It's not this place. It's not this wonderful building and this property. It's you. You guys are a part of the Big C Church. So when you're thinking, we need to, we need to do a little something more. I want to encourage you more, uh, this morning that yes, the answer is yes. Because although we live in a broken world, we all have hope. Amen? I'm going to close in prayer in a moment to encourage you folks on what it looks like to fully, fully take responsibility for this. And you might be sitting here and thinking, man, this was kind of weird uh, because I don't even know Jesus yet. And that's okay because we will give you an opportunity uh, 
to, to, to walk through what it looks like to accept Christ as your Savior. But while I close in prayer, if you want to pray in the quiet of your own heart uh, alongside me, uh, I want to encourage you to do so. All right, so let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, we're so grateful for your provision in our lives that we could be here this morning to hear from your word. God, that we can look back in history and see the example of what, uh, honestly, God, we as people, we have fallen, and we understand that. God, we have been given witness to successful kingdoms and reigns from the kings that you've raised up uh, and that you've blessed. However, we see the imperfection within those systems that you've, uh, that you've allowed us to, to experience through your word. God, we also know what that hope looks like and what it means to us in our personal lives. And Lord, with, with, with all that history and, and, and coming back to what it looks like for us today now, God, can we respond to those folks in our lives? Can we respond to those families in need? Lord, can we seek to be a refuge? Let us prepare to take these folks in. Let us prepare to be a safe haven for the families in time of need, even if that's us. God, can we seek to be a, a productive resource for these folks to not just get on their feet, but to come to know you uh, and to better equip them to reach families that once looked like them. God, may we do these things to your glory. May we do these things in obedience. And may we do these things uh, for the joy of pleasing you. God, this morning with F.B. Hamford, uh, I want to pray over these folks right now, God. As I've encouraged them to think about the folks in their life, the people in their worlds, the unreachables, the people that we say, oh, man, um, we just have no hope for them, God. As broken families, we live in a broken world, but we have hope. And this hope comes from you, comes from your sacrifice on the cross, and comes from the grace that you give us every day that we know we don't deserve, but we receive these mercies new every day. God, may these people feel encouraged. May they feel completely commissioned to go out there, that it is their role. It is their time. These are the relationships. This is that opportunity we're praying about right now. Think in your minds uh, the opportunities that God will give you throughout the week and leave no potential on the table. God, that we take full advantage of what it looks like to reach our worlds with every opportunity you've given us. Lord, we're grateful. We're grateful that we can come to the table this way, that we can be reminded of our history, that we can be reminded of our responsibility, that we can be reminded of your grace and your sacrifice and be encouraged to just go out to our world. Lord, I'm personally grateful for these folks this morning allowing me to even share in a little bit of vulnerability and transparency of, of the story you've blessed us with. God, allow us to take our testimonies uh, and reach our worlds. God, we're grateful for this morning, uh, and it's in your beautiful, precious name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen.